Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to our first ever episode of OA News Overtime. It's kind of shocking we're here for the very first yeah, time, especially with a new name. Um, I'm Sarah Paul Chesney. I am kind of, I guess, let's say the host of this and sure. keeping conversation going. And I'm here with uh, the OA News Sports Department. So guys, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? We survived signing day. It is the morning after signing day. We're all very excited. I'm Justin. Jordan is here. Jordan, say hello. And Jordan Hill. I'm the AU uh, beat writer for the OA News. Yeah, and we made it sign it. It's a big day. Signing day is past us. Uh, there's a number one team in town, South Carolina, and the gang coming through, Don Staley. Sarah, what are we going to talk about today? Let's go. Yeah, we got lots of things going on. You know, we're all still, I think, recovering from signing day yesterday, both locally and, of course, Auburn University. Yeah, what uh, people, no, a lot of people don't know is that, like, like, a lot of the other outlets that cover Auburn, they just cover, like, Auburn signing day, but we also have the high school signing day, so it's like a double whammy for us. That's and we had what, like 35, 36? 30, 35, 32, 35, if you count Russell County, which we did. So, <laughs> so lots of kids signing yesterday. Um, we got Auburn basketball. They just played on Tuesday. They got another game on Saturday. We got the TBT tournament coming up pretty soon. That's exciting. And news with that. And then, like Justin mentioned, we got a number one team coming into town tonight for women's basketball gymnastics is also at home this week and you know we got uh something kind of important on sunday that's going on don't know if y'all have heard about that big game that's happening superb owl or something like that <laughs> so guys let's get started you know signing day yesterday everything's kind of calmed back down and i guess everybody can kind of look back and reflect and see how auburn did so i mean auburn signed six players yesterday what do y'all kind of think about the signees and Kind of a little bit about the class. Jordan, you go ahead. Yeah, I'll jump on it. Uh, so they signed six guys. I'd say for the most part, there really weren't any surprises. Um, you know, there was some intrigue if they would sign Tevin Wallace. He was a four-star out of Georgia. But I think with the coaching change, that kind of hurt, and he wound up going to Kentucky. But, you know, for the most part, I think they got who we all sort of expected. And, and we knew with the limited amount of time that Brian Harson and his staff had, especially with the fact that he'd already – you know, he wasn't here for the December signing period, which has really become the biggest, you know, point when most kids sign. Right, that's the real sign. As far as the options they had, but it seemed like everyone that we were kind of anticipating they would sign, signed, and there's still a couple more targets that haven't announced yet that'll happen Friday. Uh, Jordan Moko, uh, he's an Australian offensive tackle. I think his announcement is going to be at like 2 a.m. Uh, Friday morning. I don't know if I'm going to be up for that one. I'm kind of debating it. Uh, and then a three-star running back out of Mississippi, he's going to be at 9 a.m. So, you know, I, I, th I think they'll get that running back. I'm not so sure about the offensive tackle, but that'll help. And, you know, I think given the limitations, it was a, a good way to round up the class. But you're still looking at the 30th overall class and, like, the 11th class in the SEC. So it was going to, you know, no matter what they did, looking at it realistically – it wasn't going to be like an Alabama or a Georgia class. I think everybody knew that. But I think given the, the expectations and, and the limitations given the time, I think the guys they got, they got a pretty good group. So, Jordan, they've got around, what, 19 now? 18, 19? How many do I think they have? 17 because I believe they signed 12 okay. in December. And then Cal Cetera, 
uh, decided to, to go to SMU instead. So I think they've got 17 right now. 17, and then a couple on the radar that might come. But even so, even if they get both of these guys in the next couple of days, you've got you're going in the summer with five spots, right? I guess what do you think? Like, what, what do you think they go after? I guess you know what's what's their needs. I'm interested to see if they might try to add another running back on top of the running back I'm talking about, which is Jarquez Hunter um, from Philadelphia, Mississippi. I think, you know, I could see them adding to the running back depth because right now they're looking at Tank, they're looking at Sean Chivers, they're looking at Devin Barrett, who they just moved from defensive back. So, you know, we've seen, I mean, you look at what the, the running back situation looked like going into last fall and it was like, wow, running back might be Auburn's deepest position. And now you look at it six, seven months later, it's like, wow, they, they are scrapping to get somebody. So I'd be interested to see if they try to, to get a running back um, you know, I think maybe someone on the defensive line since they lost Daquan Newkirk and, and looks like they're going to lose Big Cat Brian as well. Um, so, and, and I think that'll be the way they go about it is going through the transfer portal, which they did. Again, Andrew, uh, let's see, Leota from Northwestern. Uh, he's a defensive end. I think that was big. Um, so we may see more of that. I think they are going to try to fill those positions, though, and more than likely it'll be through the transfer portal. And Jordan, you said Auburn kind of finished 30th and about 11th in the SEC. So Harson came in, Auburn lost Gus Malzahn right before the first signing day in December. And then, you know, Harson comes in and he has this. So do you think Harson was able to kind of keep this class together, maybe salvage what was this 2021 signing class? What are your thoughts on, I guess, kind of how Harson and his team did? I'll go first and then let Justin kind of jump off of this. But to me, one, I think a lot of credit needs to go to those guys that got that first group together in December. The fact that they kept Demetrius Davis and Lee Hunter, those guys, I think if those guys don't sign, this could have been a disastrous situation. So I think that, you know, as much as there was talk about Kevin Steele and some of those guys that were, you know, a part of that staff and, you know, rumors that still wanted the, the full-time head coaching job, they did a really good job in kind of anchoring this recruiting class because if say they say Auburn only signed, you know, six or seven guys in December, this could have been a really rough situation. They were looking at trying to sign as many guys as they could get their hands on going into February. But, you know, they had a, gr a good group to go off of. I think given the circumstances with a coaching change and the way recruiting has changed so much where you know, it used to be February was when you got everybody. Now, most of the teams like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, February is just kind of an and one. You're getting, you know, maybe two or three additional guys on top of who you got in December, but that's not really, you know, February is not the marquee signing period anymore. Uh, so I think all things considered, this was a good group, but uh, I think really the credit lies in the fact that they were able to sign those guys in December to kind of anchor things and to make February not – quite as dire as it, it could have been. Yeah, I think Demetrius uh, really saved things. I mean, if you didn't have a, a star quarterback as part of this class, you know, you'd look at it and go, whoo, that's, that's not great. And it's not great now, but it, it could have been bad, bad uh, right now. It's just bad. Uh, I think, um, you know, I think when we talk about, like, needs for the summer, I, you just got to go after dudes. I don't care what the position is. Just get the best available players because you need to upgrade this roster because Alabama signed. 10 out of the top 50 players. It's insane. Um, and if you're looking at a number one class versus a number 30 class, those Alabama guys are going to be there for three years. If Parson goes 0-3 against Alabama, he's on the hot seat. That's the reality. So, I mean, 
if I'm them this summer, I'm going after every dude I can. And I mean, that includes big cat, you know, I'm calling him back, you know, any, any of the best, if I got five transfers, just go for the best five players that you can find at any position. I don't even care what position because the, the roster just needs to be better. So that's what I would do. But again, he keeps talking about the right fit. He wants the right people in the right fit, not so much necessarily the best available. So um, that's, that's how I'm looking at it right now. And the one thing that I would want to say just off of that, you just see how competitive. I know it's a talking point, and, and Harson's had to address it a few times, but the talking point of how competitive the SEC is, you know, when you say on the cusp, uh, you know, you just say Auburn's signed the 30th, 30th overall class. I mean, that doesn't sound bad. When you only had a class that was better than three SEC teams, that's really where it stands out, and that's where they're going to have to try to make up ground. And, you know, really that 2022 class – will be big with getting their first chance to to really put their hands on an entire recruiting class and try to make their mark on what they're wanting to do at Auburn. If y'all were able to give like a letter grade to this class, what letter grade would you give it? I would say given the circumstances, like I say, I guess like a C plus or a B minus. I mean, because you gotta, you know, I don't think there was much more that those guys could have done, but it is what it is. And, you know, we talk about the talent differential between an Alabama and an Auburn. And, you know, the, the reason a change was made in the first place is because they want to be more consistent and contend for more national championships. Even with the coaching change and everything involved, this isn't the kind of class that you need if you want to do that. Um, so I think for the circumstances, they did good, but that doesn't, you know, discute, you know, that isn't an excuse. You can't say that makes it okay um, when you're trying to keep up with the Alabamas of the world. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think it grades lower than the transition uh, signing classes uh, for Gene Chizik and for uh, Gus Malzahn, so to the, the last two. So, I mean, it's a D, <laughs> but you've got summer to upgrade it for me. Well, I guess we'll wrap that up on signing day, you know, put it aside and see what kind of happens over the next couple of days with potentially two more signees and then the summer. So let's go. You know, the next big thing coming up, I guess, in the world of Auburn sports is Auburn men's basketball. I mean, what is it in the era of Bruce Pearl? When is this basketball team not of importance? So, I mean, on Tuesday, the, the team came out flat against Georgia, and rightfully so, and they're about to welcome Ole Miss on Saturday, who just knocked off Tennessee on Tuesday as well. So, you know, after Auburn's performance on Tuesday and kind of what's going to happen on Saturday, how do y'all feel about this Auburn basketball team right now? You you guys were there. Sarah, you tell us. What did you see Tuesday? I mean, Tuesday night that team looked flat. It looked like Georgia was more aggressive, more on the ball. You could tell yep. that Sharif was getting visibly frustrated throughout the game, whether it was his style of play or Georgia just kind of figuring out how to shut him down and made him turn the ball over and made the team turn the ball over. Um, it definitely looked like one of the flatter performances from an Auburn men's basketball team. And the thing that really jumped out to me watching it, Georgia scored 52 points in the paint. And if someone just tells you that, you know, Auburn's opponent scored 52 points in the paint, at least for me, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, the bigs just like work down low, work down low and really dominated. More often than not, it was just their guards penetrating and, and putting up layups. I mean, it was just a, a really poor defensive performance, and it, it was flat. And Bruce Pearl said as much afterward and said they weren't ready to play um, the first time all year. He felt like that had been the case. Um, so that, to me, this is a really interesting game on Saturday. Can they 
kind of shake off that performance. You know, he kind of pointed to the performance against Georgia. You know, they had just played the number number two team in Baylor. That yeah. he felt like, and they had beaten Georgia pretty soundly earlier in the year. So to me, this whole miss game is really interesting for a young team. Are they able to kind of snap out of it? Can they come back and play strong? And can they just play better defense? I mean, they, they you know they scored really well against Georgia, but they couldn't stop them. And that's you know you saw in that game. There are a few runs where Auburn was getting baskets and had a chance to make things closer, but they couldn't stop Georgia. So, I mean, they've got a lockdown on defense that they're going to beat an Ole Miss team that seems to be peaking at the right time. The big thing in that Georgia game for me was watching a lot of Georgia's easy points inside were uncontested layups. It was just like Auburn was giving them a free pass from the top of the key down into the paint to yeah. kind of go shoot a layup and get two points quick and easy without contesting it. It looked like they were – a little scared to foul and that's youth I was just gonna say you know that's youth that's gonna happen with this group and it, it you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it seems like they really you know emptied the chamber against Baylor and you know maybe we should have expected a, a little bit of a letdown after that game because that was their NCAA tournament game you know that was like okay we're going on the road we're traveling together we're playing a top team this is one chance we can prove you know in a, on a national spotlight what we're doing um you know the next one will be at Alabama at the end of the season but that was that was their the closest thing they'll have to the NCAA tournament. Um, so it, yeah, it, it makes kind of makes sense that you know they they had a letdown game after that. And um, I don't know, that's just youth. And a lot of Auburn fans, you know, we look at Twitter and it's, it's amazing the meltdowns you see. You know, it's like it, it, the highs and lows. It's like oh, they beat somebody and they're the best team in the country and they should have beat Gonzaga if Sharif played. And then they lose and they're the worst team ever and no one in the SEC is and it's unreal. And we call those football fans, but um. Anyway, that's that's the life of basketball. You can look at that Final Four season and see see some of the games that team lost. Like, oh my gosh, you know, basket. You go up and down. Uh, sometimes you miss shots. Sometimes you you aren't aren't on it when you play thirty games. So uh, they'll be back though. I mean, we'll see what they do Saturday. But if it's not Saturday, it'll be the next game. They'll be back. That's just young guys, um, you know, going up and down. And to your point, I mean, Bruce even talked about that Baylor game. I mean, he set it up as sort of an NCAA tournament. Yeah atmosphere so I mean I think that's a fair assessment of how that came and I think that's Sharif, Sharif was on ESPN that day you know what I mean like it was a big yeah go ahead and I mean I think it's just realistic just think about if you from the player's perspective if you come off that game you know they played them really good in the first half I'm talking about the Baylor game you're coming in you're playing at home they beat Georgia by like 17 or 18 if I'm remembering correctly I mean it wasn't a particularly close game the first time around I can see how that kind of performance, you know, comes together. I'm not saying it's, you know, you still have to show up and play, but you can see how it got to that point. I don't think it's the kind of performance where you say, all right, you know, everybody jump off the the bandwagon of this young team. They're not really that good. I think to the point Justin made, it's understood that this is what comes, this is growing pains. I mean, you see, you see young teams that are trying to figure out how to play at this level you know, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of does it sort of fester? Does it turn into more more losses? And that's what we're going to see on Saturday. Something else you all, we kind of forget and all that stuff is Auburn's still missing Justin Powell. He hasn't been able to play with Sharif Cooper yet. So, you know, we're coming up on, he's missed almost well over a month, I believe, at this point of basketball. I mean, when you add Justin Powell back in the mix, what do you kind of see this Auburn team doing? 
I think that, you know, him being there would be a huge, huge upgrade. And it's just a matter of when he's able to come back. I think a lot of people are having a hard time understanding yeah. that, you know, a concussion is a brain injury. I keep seeing people ask about the situation and it's just not, it's not like a broken arm where you can compare your broken arm and you broke the same bone. So everybody's brain reacts differently. And uh, this is going to be just a wild like comparison. But if anyone is following Justin Powell's situation, doesn't understand, I would really, really credit or, or tell them to read uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s autobiography because he suffered several concussions and he talked about the process. I mean, there were times he could barely walk, uh, you know, from the bedroom to the bathroom because his balance was just totally messed up. It's just an unpredictable injury, and you can't say how quickly someone's going to come back from it. It's just totally different. So, you know, I think he would be a huge addition if he was able to come back, but they've, you know, rightfully so taken it slow. And I think that's been the the nice thing to see is that it's been taken really seriously. And especially in the season, you know, we obviously want to see – Auburn compete and, and, you know, eat, but they aren't going to the tournament. They're not going to the SEC tournament. So there's no real pressure that he absolutely has to play with this injury. Um, right. so it's been good to see. And, and I think he would be a big boost. It's just sort of a matter of time and, and seeing when he would be able to come back. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to the postseason. You know, if he if it comes down to the last couple of weeks and he really wants to play, then then go ahead. But, you know, it is kind of a shame because a lot of people were excited about seeing him and Sharif play together. And we may not see that. Probably won't. You know, he may be shut down for the year. Um, Sarah, you've had you've had concussions in your playing career. Yeah, if anybody needs to know about seriousness of brain injuries, I'm the person to talk to, you know, some neck surgeries later, some medication for the rest of my life, some vision therapy, speech therapy, Alzheimer's medication, all that fun stuff. So Don't you like the penguins too? Don't you like that? And Sidney Crosby had yep. a, was out for a year. And like, yeah. people like, oh, this is way too long for a concussion. Sidney Crosby missed a whole year. He's one of the best players in the NHL at the time. Exactly. And he was the reason that helped me sit out, I guess, the rest of my sports career was because I got my concussion right around the same time he sat out for an entire year. And it kind of hit home that it's, you know, your brain's more important than a sport. And I guess that's kind of where Auburn is with Justin Powell. It's, you know, do you want to risk the rest of his life by dealing with his brain and maybe making him have to be dependent with his parents for the rest of his life? Or do you want to force him to come back? Right. in a year where you're not even going to the national championship. Right. And I, I, the one thing I will say is I am just so glad with how much has changed in sports. One of the top things is how much more seriously we take brain injuries. I mean, I've heard stories. My dad played high school football, and it was like, yeah, you know, he got his bell rung and put him back in there. I mean, he's told me a story about playing in a game where he didn't even know where he was. So, I mean, you know, you just – they would – put coaches under the, the jail if they did that today, for the most part, I would say. Um, so that's been nice to see that kind of change. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of change the subject, make y'all pick, make predictions. Who you got in Saturday's game, Auburn or Ole Miss? I'm, I'm going to go with Auburn. I think that this is a good opportunity for them to bounce back. I think it helps that it's at home. Uh, you know, we talked about Ole Miss and, and the fact that they are peaking at the right time and and I think, you know, Kermit Davis, the, the coach there at Ole Miss, I think he's done a really good job of, of 
trying to get them back to, to where they can, you know, contend in the SEC and, and hang with those top teams. But I think that Auburn is going to be motivated. I don't think, especially with the fact there were so many guys from Georgia that had to take that loss to Georgia. Um, I, I see them coming back. I think it will be a competitive game, but I think the fact it's going to be at home and I think the fact that they kind of have that little extra motivation. I say Auburn winds up winning this one. Yeah, I think Auburn Auburn can win. I was trying to find a betting line. I can't find it, whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I think Auburn can bounce back and win at home. Um, but like I said, Ole Miss is playing well. We'll see. It just depends on how they show up. But I think, you know, these guys, the, the beauty of youth is that, you know, they're, I don't know, they don't know what they don't know, and they're going to flush that game, and they're just going to run back out there. You know what I mean? They don't care. So, <laughs> like, you think JT Thor and them are going to, cry over two losses no they'll be right back and they'll 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 do their thing all right I think you guys pretty much talked to death Auburn basketball a little bit and I guess we did um so I guess we both all three of us have Auburn going to the next game and taking down Ole Miss so moving on to some more kind of Auburn basketball news if you want to call it Auburn basketball news we've got Auburn war Tampa is going to play again in the TBT tournament and you know, Justin Lee's our resident TBT yeah, man. reporter. So, Justin, what can you tell us? I don't, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, like, you know, last summer, that was, man, that was, the, that was the story of the summer. I don't think it'll be uh, as, as big this year. But um, it's kind of – it's funny to me that, you know, TBT is out here, you know, openly – because these teams have to apply, you know, to get in. But TBT is out here already promoting them. And it's, it's one of these weird things where, you know, all – fans like to talk about being a family like oh we got the best fans in the country but this is and besides cheering at a game this is really one of the times where you can really impact you know and reward players because the most popular teams get to play in this tournament like the most the teams that are going to get tbt eyeballs you know because this is only in its 11th or 12th year now uh that's they're the ones that are going to go regardless of their skill level so if you like these guys if you like these alums like dangel so they announced dangel as their their first person committed to play um you know if you appreciate what he did at auburn the best thing you can do is uh support you know support that team so they can play um you know on social media and all that because the teams with the most followers the teams with the most interaction and engagement they're gonna play so um and last so last year it was Bryce Brown, Horace Spencer, Deshaun Murray, and LaRon Smith couldn't play. But those three, this year they've got Dangel signed up and committed. Uh, I don't know, who, Sarah, I don't know who you think, uh, who you think could, could possibly join. I'm looking at Austin Wiley. What's he up to this summer, huh? You could see Austin Wiley. I think you could see Bully Dunbar maybe joining yep. in on this one, you know. Um, I could see Bryce coming back again, and maybe he'll end up convincing his now G League teammate. Jared Harper. Yeah. That seems like the group that makes the most sense to me. I think it'd be fun to see Bryce Brown go back, like you said. But yeah, I think I think that would be. And if they got Jared, that'd be huge. Oh, that'd be massive. Imagine if they get Javon and um, bring back Samir. Get, get the whole final. Game. Get the whole yeah. final four team back together and let them play in this tournament. I don't know what Samir's doing. Samir could play. Um, you know, Jared and Bryce, those are the dreams. We'll see if they can uh, if they can play. I remember at the at the press conference after uh, Bryce was like, you know, yeah, I'd like to come back next year. And then Horace and Deshaun interrupted him like, no, no, he's going to be in the league. He can't, <laughs> he can't go. But if, you know, if he's not in the NBA and he's still in G League, maybe so, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. It'll be in the summer. 
Um, but yeah, that, it's, it, they said they'll be announcing somebody else soon. So I got to think it's either Austin or Malik. So, but I mean, those, those are the two that could probably commit right now. I'll be on football commit watch. We're going to put Justin <laughs> on the TB yes. commit watch. Yes. Yeah, just just follow yeah. Justin on Twitter. He'll have your latest TBT coverage, you know, wall-to-wall -wall coverage of that tournament. TBT, and not even War Tampa, but, like, TBT, they'll post a picture of War Tampa, and they'll tag, like, ten people in the photo, and I'm one of them. Like, they just <laughs> – I don't know. They really, they really think I'm the, the TBT, but I'm the go-to beat writer. So, because we – I mean, we blew that story up last summer because it was like, man, nothing is happening. Why not? So, we – I mean, I, we was on our front for a whole week. Uh, so yeah, it's nice to be thought of, I guess. All right, Justin, and you're kind of also our honorary Auburn women's basketball beat. You've been hey to most home, most if not all home games this season, and you know tonight they're bringing in South Carolina, and that is going to be something else. So it's Justin, uh, it so would be. It would just it, you know that's it would be amazing if they win, but they're not gonna. But uh. It's going to be, I mean, that they, so South Carolina was like number four last week and jumped up to number two and number one this year, this week in the two polls. It's South Carolina, it's Don Staley, um, their powerhouse. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch a, a really good team up close. And I mean, if you're in Auburn, um, you know, they do the socially distance thing. So it's, it's uh, not as many seats available, but for the women's game, there's going to be seats available. So, you know, get a ticket and go watch the best team in the country. That's your take because I, I swear every time I've looked at, you know, your stories, they are right there. Auburn seems like they have been right there with so many top-ranked teams. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on how they've been able to play this year? It's tough. They've, I mean, it's it's obviously – everyone knew going in it was going to be a tough year. It's it's the, the challenging thing is they can't play that well against the teams they're supposed to beat. Um, but then the teams they're not supposed to beat, they go down to the line with Kentucky – um, they went down the line with Arkansas, who um, who had just beaten UConn. I mean, they they had they're on a row right now of of, of dragons in the SEC. Um, but with South Carolina being the ultimate ultimate one coming in, um, it I think that's just maybe that's how this this team would be remembered for me. Is they do a great job of swinging with some of the best teams, but you know. They're not taking care of business against the worst teams. They gotta, they gotta. If if the ones that come back next year, whoever comes back next year, they've got to figure out how to play with confidence um, every night and not just swim in the fast pools, you know, against against the best teams. And you know, Unique Thompson out here breaking records, climbing up the record chart. What, do, Justin? What do you have to tell us about? I guess her record setting and record breaking season. Yeah, she's on pace. I think she's going to get it um, because she because she had that big 19 rebound game uh, against Arkansas. Um, it was Texas A&M before that. Um, but yeah, she she was on pace to need um, about eight rebounds a game, which in the SEC, it's like, oh, you know, and, and obviously in non-conference, she's going to average a double-double, but in conference, a little, little on the line. But when she, you know, she just needed one of those monster games to really put her ahead of the curve. She was on the curve, but she needed a monster game to go ahead of the curve. And uh, that did it. Um, so, I think she's got it. She's on pace as long as she's healthy, um, as long as these games don't get canceled uh, for COVID-19. Um, she's going to get the record. She passed Dewana Bonner. Uh, she's with, uh, she's behind Becky Jackson by about 40 now. I got to look it up. But um, in about, she's got about eight games left, seven games left, and she'll break it in about four games, I think.
We're talking about the program setting, program leading rebounder. All time rebounding record, yes. She's got, she's over a thousand now. Um, and uh, the record is 1,118 by Becky Jackson in the early 80s. And uh, yeah. So she's definitely worth going to get a seat and watch her play before the season ends. Yep, for sure. All right, well, let's move on to another women's sport that is bringing in another mobster this week. We got Auburn Gymnastics bringing in LSU in a delayed meet because of COVID problems within LSU. So Justin and I are your resident, you know, gymnastics reporters over here. So Justin knows a little bit more about gymnastics. I just know they do really cool things and flip through the air and do things I would hurt myself with. So Justin, what do you got about this game? It's or interesting. This match. This meet, yeah. Uh, yes. This it's interesting because it, it the the COVID postponement, which ended up being just for one week, they managed to move LSU and Auburn both one back one week. Um, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because it gives Auburn possibly a chance to get Aria Brush and Cassie Stevens, who are two of their starters. I mean, it builds basketball. They're in the starting five, right? Um, the getting getting them back in the lineup possibly to start you know, getting back to where uh, their scoring potential really is. But it kind of throws off their whole season because the way it was set up, they had four meets, a bye week, and then four meets. So they were going to take a – they were going to rest and then attack that last part of the schedule. That kind of changes. Um, so this this meet, I don't think they're particularly aiming to throw their highest score of the season. You know, I don't think they're reaching their full scoring potential. Um, but if you can get – you know, as much as you can get Cassie and Aria, if you can get either one of them back or both of them, as much as they can, you know, they need a meet to get into it. So you need to go ahead and knock that out if you can. As much as, as many meets as they can get in, the better. So that'll be the main thing that I'm looking at going in is, is if uh, Aria and Cassie can go again. Aria was dealing with a shoulder, uh, the official word on Cassie. Well, there isn't an official word, probably COVID-19, I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see who can get back in the lineup and, and what they can do when they get there. All right, Jordan, you got anything to add about the girls who flip through the air, do really cool things, <laughs> are super athletic and would probably, you know, blow us out of the water if they asked us to have a cartwheel competition with them. I'm very impressed and I wish I understood more, but I'll leave it to Justin Lee, the resident AU gymnastics uh, expert to fill me in. But it's fun to watch. But if you told me how to break it down, it would not be very pretty. It's interesting how like if you, if you put us all in an Auburn basketball uniform and put us out there, we could do something that somewhat kind of looks like basketball. We could never do anything that even looks like what they do. Without, at least without, you know, not the, the pending trip to the hospital. After. And then walk. Yeah. Also going, going back to, uh, going back to unique real quick. She's at 1,070 rebounds. She's uh, uh, 48 shy of Becky then. So yeah. So she's eight, eight, day, eight games catcher. Yep. Yep. She's, she's, she'll be fine. Well guys, you know, that's kind of it in Auburn sports right now. You know, things are kind of quiet. Baseball, softball should be coming back pretty soon, but there's something else coming up on Sunday. What do you guys think about this big game? I don't know, the Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Tom Brandy. I don't know. You go ahead, Jordan. I'm going with Tampa, not only Ooh. because of touchdown Tom. I think that they're going to pull it out. And 
you know, you mentioned the the Auburn guys that are going to be playing in this game. Also got a local guy in Raheem Nunez Rochez from Central High School. He's playing. He's playing for Tampa Bay. He's defensive tackle, and he started his career with Kansas City. I say he gets revenge and uh, gets, makes, tur- forces a turnover late, and Tampa wins thirty-one twenty-seven. Shout out Central High School. How about that? So we have a Central kid, and then we have Jamel and Carlton on Tampa Bay, right? So three yep. local ties. Uh, well, I'm going with the Chiefs, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> back to back. Uh, I covered some Pat Mahomes games uh, when, when I was in Texas, uh, and he was at Texas Tech. I saw them beat uh, Texas in DKR in Austin uh, for the, you know, for the first time since the 90s at the time. Uh, I was there in the building. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 saw, I also saw him play Leonard Fournette in uh, the Houston Bowl game, whatever it's called, at this Texan stadium. Um, so yeah, I saw Pat play a lot of times. Uh, so and he's good. So I'm going with him. That's my West Texas Homer pick right there. I'm going with, I think the Chiefs win, but let's just say I want Tampa Bay to win. I don't want Tom Brady to win, you know, being a Bills fan for 25 years of my life, you are not happy with losing to Kansas city in the AFC championship game. And you're definitely not wanting Tom Brady to win another championship while you are still waiting for yours. Um, but I cheering for Tampa Bay, hoping we see, but expecting Kansas City to pull this one out. Just, oh, just know that you aren't the only one hurting because I'm a Falcons fan. So <laughs> Tom Brady not only gave me the worst loss of my life, but then he moved in the division and beat us twice. And now I have to probably watch him help the Bucks. They're at least going to be in the Super Bowl. So, so you're not alone, Sarah, as a Bills fan. This, this one hurt. That's painful. Painful stuff. Well, guys, this was pretty fun, you know. Um, we're going to end up doing this weekly for everybody who's watching or listening. Uh, kind of doing a little bit of all the Auburn stuff. So if anybody wants to hear any special questions, kind of like we don't really do a mailbag, but this can kind of be a mailbag if y'all have any questions for Justin and Jordan because they're the experts on Auburn sports, both men's and women's. And we're about to hit that fun crossover period where we get winter and spring sports. So. That will be pretty fun. I say we do a mailbag. I say whatever Justin and Painter do, we steal it. We're direct competition now. Overtime, baby. Let's go. There's only only room for one. There can be only <laughs> one. But uh, if anybody wants to follow y'all or ask y'all questions, where can they do that? Justin, we'll go with you first since you're to the left of me. At by Justin Lee on Twitter. Um, send it to at AU blog. We'll see it at OA now. Jordan, yours. At Jordan Davis Hill. And if you hit any of those, um, that'll be the best way to get us. Yeah, and I'd throw my name, but there's no way you'd be be able to spell my last name. So we're just going to leave it at that. And we'll talk to y'all. We'll talk to (laughs) you. We'll chat with y'all again next week sometime, probably after the next men's basketball game. So we'll see you then.